0: Hello, and welcome to Sky today's Let's Talk AI podcast, where you can hear from AI researchers about what's actually going on with AI and what is just clickbait headlines. We release weekly AI news coverage and also occasional interviews, such as today. I am Andre Krenkov, a third-year PhD student at the Stanford Vision and Learning Lab and the host of this episode. In this interview episode, we'll get to hear from several of the people who created AImyths.org. Daniel Lufer and Alexa Steinberg. AIMS.org was put together as part of Daniel Lufer's Mozilla Fellowship Project. From October 2019 to Ju- July 2020, Daniel was hosted by the digital rights organization Access Now. Daniel's background is in philosophy and he has a PhD from KU Leuven in Belgium. He is also a member of the Working Group on Philosophy of Technology at KU Leuven and is currently still working with Access Now. Alexa Steinbrook is a software developer, artist, and design researcher. She has a degree in Artificial Intelligence from the University of Amsterdam. Her research interest is the representation and perception of AI in the public discourse and consumer products like voice assistants. She runs a lab for artificial intelligence and robotics at the University of Art and Design, uh, Berg, German word, where she also she researches creative applications of AI technologies. Thank you so much, Daniel and Alexa, for joining us for this episode.
1: It's great to be
0: here. Great to be here.
2: Yeah. Nice to join.
0: Alrighty, righty, so let's go in and dive in. We'll be talking about uh, your project, AIMyths.org, which as the title implies, is meant to help debunk some of the popular misconceptions about AI. Before we dive into what these myths are and what the project results were, maybe each of you can briefly summarize your motivation for working on it, and maybe also the inspiration for going in this direction.
2: Great. Maybe I can give a bit on the, I'll talk about the initial, steps and stuff and then once it gets over to actually putting it together um, can let Alexa give you the details as she was leading the thing there so the original idea um, for the website came out of me kind of being addicted to being annoyed <laughs> um, and you know getting quite annoyed at uh, all of the hype and misrepresentations and misconceptions around AI and um, so I was working um, with AccessNow on a, on a project um, around AI ethics guidelines um, beforehand. And, you know, what we saw was that we kept coming up against the same misconceptions, the same inaccuracies about AI all the time. And a lot of the work that we were doing, you know, time was almost wasted kind of debunking those. Um, and AccessNow also organizes... Um, RightsCon, which is um, the kind of main uh, conference of the digital rights world. And at RightsCon, we organized a side session where we got a lot of people who were working on AI policy in a room together. Um, And we were kind of brainstorming ways to coordinate our work a bit better. And one common ground that we found was that we were all equally annoyed um, by these myths. And they were all getting in the way of our work. So we thought it would be great if someone could put together a sort of a shared resource to tackle, you know, the most common ways that these misconceptions manifest. Um, and luckily at that time I was applying for a Mozilla fellowship and, uh, to my surprise and joy, uh, it was accepted as a project. And, uh, this is what the project became to develop that resource. So I, we had kind of brainstormed a list of misconceptions and myths uh at that rightscon session and then i did some more work kind of investigating you know which ones were the most common what ones got in the way of people's work um that involved i, I did an initial blog post uh, with the survey um and got some feedback from people um but also i think it's worth mentioning that the the real target audience of the website is civil society organizations. So, uh, human rights organizations or activist organizations who, you know, now find themselves having to work on AI because, you know, if you work on, uh, discrimination, uh, you know, almost any, uh, topic related to digital rights or even, you know, human rights more broadly, AI is popping up, um, ever more, uh, center stage in, in dealing with those issues. So the, the aim was to sort of help organizations like that, um, get over the hump in, uh, tackling, uh, these, these misconceptions, you know, we had also, I'd also seen in some reports I had read, uh, where, you know, you might have like, a you know, a rights organization doing a report about AI, but they devoted three pages at the start to talking about super intelligence. And so to kind of give them, you know, a quick way to say, look, you don't need to address super intelligence because despite the way we phrase the myth on the, the homepage, it's not coming soon. Um, and then actually at MozFest, um, I uh, happened to bump into Alexa and we got chatting then about uh, what kind of form that would take. And maybe she can... Uh, explain from there?
1: Yeah, um, yeah. We, we met at Mossfest, which is the, the annual event of Mozilla. And I was doing a session about demystifying voice assistants and uh, explaining how they work and explaining also the mechanisms of um, anthropomorphization and how yeah, we get to this point that we call this thing, this gadget, NAI. And I can absolutely share what Daniel said about this obsession with being annoyed by AI myths. Um, so, this project is uh, very dear to my heart, and I have this personal angle to it that it tackles um, uh, like a phenomenon I observed during the last seven years or so that if I, when I have conversations, like even casual conversations with, people about AI with people who don't work in the field of AI, I realized that we're talking about totally different things. And, you know, I studied AI and from my point of view, AI is machine learning and computer vision and natural language processing and all these applied fields. And what they mean often is robots and the singularity and machines enslaving mankind and stuff. So I always feel like we're, we're not really having a conversation because we're talking about two different things. And I think this... Doesn't only happen in private conversations, but also in the public debate and in media and on conferences. Um, and there is this a uh, great quote I often um, use by Maya Indira Ganesh, who says, uh, "AI exists in an awkward and unique space as technology metaphor and socio-technical imaginary." And I think this is this is completely what it is. So there are d- different levels of meaning, and they are all kind of entangled. And I think it's time to disentangle them and, and separate the myths from the, or the, the cultural narratives from the facts.
0: I see. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. And uh, as Daniel says, uh, I'm sure a lot of AI researchers are also very familiar with the frustration of seeing misrepresentations of AI. And uh, uh, part of the reason for this podcast, of course, is to also highlight some of those myths and help people understand what's going on with AI. So of course, uh, I think uh, researchers sympathize and agree with your motivation and uh, like the idea of a project. So, given that setup, uh, yeah, maybe we could talk a bit more before we dive into the actual myths. Uh, a bit more on the process. So, for instance, Daniel, how did you? about deciding what the myths are and kind of getting it down to a pretty short list when in media there's a lot of different ways uh, in in which uh, AI is misrepresented.
2: Sure, yeah. So I mentioned before that there was a a survey and there was actually a very clear top five out of that. Uh, The top five was number one by a long shot was AI has agency. Um, which I think, you know, uh, you guys at Skynet today would sympathize with as well as uh, one of the most uh, annoying and prevalent um, misconceptions. Um, second was super intelligence is coming soon. Third was the kind of ambiguities around the term AI. So, you know, the idea that the term AI has a, a clear meaning and clear unambiguous meaning. Um, the fourth was that, you know, AI is totally objective. It's unbiased. It just makes uh, objective decisions from data. And the fifth was the idea that AI can solve any problem once it has enough data. Um, after that, uh, there was a bit of editorial discretion to search through the uh, the rest of the the results. Um, but in Order. They were ethics guidelines will save us. Um, we can't and shouldn't regulate AI, and AI equals shiny human robots. Which I will admit, uh, whether it made the top eight or not, uh, was was going in because that's my favorite one. There were there were others on the list as well, but we we ended up uh, working with deciding to go with those eight.
0: Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And then uh, process wise, uh, I guess, Alexa, do you have any anything to add on once you decided on the myths? uh, What was the process on developing the website and getting it together and communicating them well before we dive into what they actually are?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So once we've decided what the myths are, we talked about what could be the uh, appropriate format to tackle these, the, like our myth-busting project. And the first idea we had was um, to make it more like a web-based interactive game. And we were inspired by uh, the project Survival of the Best Fit by Leah Al- el uh, which educates uh, people about bias and machine learning tools for hiring. Um, But then we realized um, we actually have a lot of content to cover. And also the the topic has quite some nuance. And um, there's a lot of background story and context to be explained. So we realized that the best format is probably a long text format. And um, yeah, Daniel is a philosopher. So that is uh, what, what he's most strong in. Um But we also decided that it would be nice to have um, some interactive elements. So these are the, the two widgets we might talk about later. And um, we also, each myth has a, a quite long section, which is the bibliography and sometimes also a section which, um lists common arguments um for each yeah for for several positions regarding each myth, and they kind of help you uh follow the debate or even yeah um, find your your arguments in in real life.
2: I guess maybe one other interesting thing about process is that the the issues are so interdisciplinary that um, I'm hugely indebted to a lot of you know different people who helped out um, from technical people who you know gave a, an overview, including Alexa, but also um, Agata Forichers, who's also uh, a fellow student of yours there at Stanford, Andre. Um, but also a huge shout out to the um, let me get the exact title: uh, the Harvard Law Law School Cyber Law Clinic at the Brookman Klein Center for Internet and Society. Uh, and, you know, to Jessica Fjelder, who was a member, who was a participant in the original meeting I mentioned at RightsCon, and who made the project um, part of the Cyber Law Clinic's um, work in the uh, the spring semester last uh, this year, and got two students, Rachel Yang and Catherine Muller, uh, law students who, who worked on parts of the project. Um, and I think that that's an interesting part of it that, you know, you're stepping into legal arguments, philosophical arguments, technical specifications, everything. So it was challenging, a uh, definite stretch for my brain to uh, to keep all of those balls uh, up in the air at all times, but uh, really enjoyable to uh, to do that. And just, yeah, very thankful to all the people who helped.
0: Makes sense. Yeah, quite the team for this scale project of essentially trying to communicate what AI actually is and a lot of the kind of important caveats, which, as we all know, takes quite a bit of uh, words and explanations and so on. And yeah, listeners right now, um, as we dive into some of these myths, uh, you can actually go to aimifs.org and browse the website. And it's it's very straightforward. You click on each of the myths, and you can read. It's well you know, organized and, and quite approachable. So uh, you might find it interesting to kind of browse it now or later um, to see what it's all about. So yes, um, Daniel, you mentioned you had this ranking of top five myths. So now we can perhaps discuss. Um, what those are and what you found, looking into them and maybe some of the feedback that people gave you as well, starting with AI has agency. So in my mind, that sounds like uh, basically this notion that AI can make decisions. You know, often headlines are phrased like this AI learned to you know, speak human language or stuff like that, and it makes it sound like the AI did it, and not human developers and researchers. Um, so that's my take on that. But how about you give give us a bit more of an overview and any interesting bits about the myth that AI has agency?
1: I think you just said it perfectly. So it's about this notion that AI is this intelligent entity that acts according to its own desires. And um, instead of, of course, uh, uh, AI being a scientific discipline and a set of ideas and techniques. And uh, what Daniel argues is that this is um, critical because um, this, yeah, it, it, it hides human agency and also hides human labor. Maybe Daniel, you can talk more about this.
2: Yeah, I think it's, um, as, as Alexa said, you know, it's, there's a clear starting point with the the dodgy headlines, but uh obviously the the question of like machines having agency can go very very far philosophically, so I think a challenge actually of writing that piece was figuring out the philosophical depth at which to stop um so I think you know there there's obvious misconceptions to debunk um these dodgy headlines and, you know, exposing uh, hidden human labor, you know, behind AI systems. Uh, there was an example that just came out when I was finishing off the text of a, an accounting firm. I think they were based in the UK who claimed to have a, you know, AI uh, accounting system. And it turned out that they were using offshore labor in the Philippines. So, you know, there's these very obvious cases in which it's actually a person hiding under a table. Um, and, you know, there the name Mechanical Turk uh, for Amazon's uh, platform is, is pretty apt. Um, but, you know, things get much more complex. And I would like to give a shout out to uh, Daniel Estrada, uh, who's a philosophy professor who, you know, wrote a kind of very detailed thread in reaction to this piece um, in which, you know, he said, you know, was really in agreement, I think, uh, in the entire sort of uh, deconstruction of the the complex, you know, human agency that's embedded in these systems, but he would actually go much further and uh, say that you know we need to also turn that lens onto human agency and look at how in our own uh, agency we're actually sort of mediated by all forms of technological artifacts and that That was a challenge to you know i I was aware of his work before, and I could sort of see that that would be an angle where someone coming from his perspective could say you, you didn't go far enough, but at the end of the day, you need to sort of think of the audience and i I didn't think that uh taking things to a total de philosophical deconstruction of the notion of human agency was was gonna be useful in that particular piece. Um, I'd also maybe just to pass to Alexa to talk about the the headline rephraser because I think it's probably my favorite thing on the website and that's something that she developed.
1: Yeah, so we have this uh, interactive bit uh, which is a headline rephraser. So we take headlines about AI um, that. Um, expressed this notion that AI is acting according to its own desires. And then we rephrase them into something more realistic. So, for example, a headline could be, uh, would AI be better at governing than politicians? And the rephrasing would be, would unelected people who hide behind a smokescreen of technology be better at governing than people who were democratically elected? And so we have 10 or 11 quite brilliant rephrasings from Daniel. And you can also, um, as a visitor of this website, you can also send us your headlines, headlines you come across, and we might rephrase them and put, it, put them on the website.
0: Very cool. Yeah, I, I was browsing some of the headline rephrasers and they're quite great. Uh, one I like is uh, as a headline Facebook AI creates its own language in creepy preview of our potential future, which is a particularly annoying piece of AI hype a few years ago. And the rephrasing is Facebook chatbot experiment turned off because it was set up badly and descended into absolute gibberish, so quite an accurate portrayal of basically uh, it was just an experiment set up badly and you got some uh, non-useful results. But then people tried to turn it into quick bait. And uh, yeah, indeed, Daniel, as you said, uh, this topic can go quite deep. So it's interesting that you tried to cover it uh, at the surface level, but also some of the deeper implications there. Uh, next, uh, there's let's cover a couple more myths, maybe not all of them, because uh, the website is there for people to browse. But uh, one that you mentioned as the second ranked is super intelligent is coming soon. So this is one we see a lot of and in a lot of serious conversations about, uh, you know, uh, regulation and the applications of AI and people and power. Uh, and uh yeah uh, like politicians often seem to talk about even though many ai researchers think it's not very relevant so yeah maybe you can also talk about um what you found there as far as people's feedback from the ai community and what you've seen uh in other communities
2: yeah this one is funny it was um it was uh, difficult to have a mix i think of which literature on superintelligence to focus on because you know there are really you know well reasoned careful sober discussions of the kind of topics related to superintelligence so uh, the idea of an intelligence explosion, um, you know, the difference between artificial general intelligence and narrow intelligence um, and all of these topics. And, you know, there, there's really good work out there. And then there's like Ray Kurzweil um, kind of saying crazy stuff like, uh, you know, in like 2030, um, AI is going to surpass. Uh, I think he said something like, I, I use a quote in the piece, um AI will achieve and surpass human levels of intelligence by passing a valid Turing test in 2030. And, you know, these kind of complete nonsense statements where, I mean, the the thing that I focus on in the piece is that a, a Turing test is in no way a measure of something surpassing human intelligence. The Turing test is a you know, it's an interesting thought experiment, um, but it's, it's very complex and there's been a lot of really good work kind of deconstructing what exactly would a Turing test show. And there's also been some very good feminist work kind of exploring. Uh, I don't know if I think not an awful lot of people, but probably a higher percentage of, of the listeners to this podcast would be aware that the, the original setup of the Turing test is that there's... Um, a man and a woman, um, communicating to the tester. And, um, I think it's that the man is trying to convince, uh, the tester that he's the woman. And then Turing sort of says, now let's imagine that this is with, uh, a man in a machine. And, you know, there's been some good analyses there, but I think in general, um, on the superintelligence topic, I tried to give, you know, real, kind of fair consideration to some of the ideas, but to show how when they're taken up by sort of uh, AI influencers or AI thought leaders on LinkedIn, uh, they often tend to distort, uh, you know, the the more sober reflections of someone like Nick Bostrom into kind of crazy predictions about what's going to happen in five years time. Um, Maybe just one anecdote as well, because I, I had this you know constant thing when i was writing these texts which i think most people who write texts have where when you're about at the end you start to think it's totally superficial and useless and it's not going to be of any use to anyone and with every one of the texts the day that i was at that point i saw some headline that showed that actually no, this myth and exactly the kind of superficial understandings that i was trying to debunk were, were hugely prevalent um, and actually last week i participated in a a hearing of a venerable international institution, which I will not name. Um, and it was a hearing about AI and uh, and the and AI and humans and, you know, trying to look at uh human rights considerations for Uh, what the potential risks could be of these interactions. And it was full of stuff about superintelligence. It said things like in the next couple of years, AI is going to surpass human intelligence in all domains. Um, So you see that actually these topics are are hugely embedded um, in the thinking of people outside of the kind of real core research community. Um, And despite the fact that actually, so I think there were five experts on the panel we all told the uh the host that you know this is absolutely nothing, and they persist they persisted in asking questions about uh brain uploading and and things despite our reassurances that we're we're nowhere near that
1: yeah, I think that we we have um kind of myths that are like funny and um like annoying but funny, but I think this one is kind of a myth that is also quite dangerous in terms of how society debates risks and uh, yeah, risk and problems correlated with AI. So when, when we, we say we, we want to debate risks and, and we do it in this science fiction context and we ignore the, the tangible risks that are already affecting real people, then um, this has an actual impact on people's lives and, and society. And I think this is, a very important
0: myth. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, if people think that you know, the problems with AI come down to superintelligence, they can ignore all the real modern you know, things we have today, like facial recognition, you know, surveillance, all these things that we actually see happening and that need to be addressed instead of these hypotheticals that may or may not happen and certainly aren't happening yet. So um, very good myth to tackle. And uh, yeah, maybe we can do one more just because each of these we can, of course, go quite deep on. But you already have the website to let people do that themselves. Uh, we can maybe finish up with the myth that the term AI has a clear meaning. So that one is a little bit tricky because you are getting into defining what AI is and uh, you know, categorizing and so on. So I'm curious. Yeah. How did you go about deciding on sort of summarizing this issue with this one myth and uh, coming into it. Did you learn more about how people view AI and how to define it? Uh, yeah, generally, any, any reflections on this one?
2: Yeah, as you say, that's almost the kind of most difficult uh, problem. Um, and I, I think, you know, we don't define AI um, or kind of claim to bring uh, a solution to that uh, problem in the piece. But I think the, the aim was more to, uh, you know, again, start off with some uh, some very clear misconceptions. Um, and the example that we used was this um, AI babysitting service, which if I'm correct, was a Stanford spin-off. actually, it was called Predictum which thankfully no longer has a website because it was shut down and it claimed to use advanced artificial intelligence to screen babysitter candidates. Um, and the idea was to, you know, start from the perspective of, you know, a worried parent who sort of thinks I really need to find a, uh, a reliable person to look after my children and, you know, why not, uh, use this advanced artificial intelligence that's based on hard data. So to, you know, sort of take people from that point of saying, if you hear this claim, I, you know, there are many reasons why you might think it sounds reasonable, but then to sort of break that down and say, what were Predictum actually doing? And just to show that, you know, they were using uh, natural language processing to analyze posts on candidates, social media, um, and that involved trying to detect kind of categories of language such as bullying, harassment, and bad attitude that are, you know, not clear-cut, not objective, Uh, they're highly contentious. Um, And, you know, these type of tools that are trying to detect uh, inappropriate content have, for example, been shown to consistently flag content from African-Americans as inappropriate, um, much more often than, um, from other groups. So there, there's lots of documentation of how these, uh, tools can be biased. And even the categories in themselves are hugely contentious. They were also using computer vision technology to scan pictures on babysitters, social media, to look for things like in- explicit content. And there, uh, we raised the example that, uh, the British police were, using a similar system to try to detect nudity. And it was uh, consistently flagging pictures of sand dunes and um, pretending or falsely uh, thinking that they were uh, naked pictures. So, you know, once you, I think once you break that down for someone and say, when a, a company like this says they're they're selling AI, what do they actually mean? And uh, that's one general um recommendation that I, I made in the piece was just always take it down a level of specificity. So instead of saying we're going to use AI, say, OK, we're going to use this subfield of machine learning. And th- then you can you're you can ask more reasonable questions about, you know, uh, can you kind of uncontentiously formulate the objective that you're trying to solve in a way that makes sense for the system? Is there or could there be uh, suitable data Um, And it'll just get people to think like much more reasonably um, about the the claims that are being made. I think uh, another key thing that I wanted to do in the piece as well is just to give people a history of the term. Um, Because I think that really, you know, demystifies things a bit when you look at how I think, you know, just pointing out to people that when Turing wrote his hugely influential papers, uh, the term artificial intelligence didn't exist and how it came out of the Dartmouth Summer Research Project on Artificial Intelligence. Um, The proposal came from a funding proposal originally, uh, which was submitted in 1955. And um, also just pointing out that even at the time there was a debate, so um, Newell and Simon, the... Two researchers who were present at the the Dartmouth College workshop, and the only two who actually had developed an AI system, uh, for want of a better word, actually didn't like the term and continued to use the term um, complex information processing uh, after the workshop for quite a few years. But other participants, such as Marvin Minsky, uh, were pushing for the term AI because it was you know, it had more of a marketing appeal. So it's it's interesting that that debate uh, exists right from the beginning.
1: I also wonder if this myth isn't the like the core myth. If this, like, if if uh, we if if history would have decided uh, to call this field complex information processing, would we have the myth of agency and these bad robot picks and all these other? Um, Artifacts and discourse distortions. Um, I also want to point to the second widget we have um, where we take uh, quotes of um, partly famous people and we replace the word AI with a more sober terms. So... Again, there is complex information processing or uh, depending on the context, um, you can replace this word with proprietary software or or just uh, plain machine learning. You can also type in your own words and see how the meaning shifts when you use a different term. Um, My favorite one is the quote um, of Elon Musk. where he speaks about um, the, the risks of AI and um, the original sentence is um, I mean with AI we're summoning the demon and if you replace this with another term it could um, sound like I mean with complex information processing systems we're summoning the demon so it, it really changes the the story
0: Yeah, yeah, I just was playing with it, actually. And as you say, it's uh, quite fun to point out, especially with Elon Musk. I guess that's a case where AI is used in this very uh, vague sense. But there are other examples also where it's talking about maybe specific products. And as Daniel pointed out, in those cases, they are actually doing something. They actually have systems and particular algorithms that maybe aren't what people imagine when they hear AI. So uh, very useful to know that in general, AI can refer to a lot of things. It's very vague. So always be skeptical of, uh, you know, what it actually refers to. And then, uh, yeah, so those were some of the top myths. And then on the website, there is also all the other ones to browse. So once again, AI if you want to take a look. Some of those, it's, it's actually kind of fun to browse, even if you know these myths and what AI is and so on. It's its pretty interesting. And certainly, uh, even if you're an AI researcher, some of these other ones, like on ethics guidelines or uh, AI regulation, might deal with things that you aren't uh, as familiar with. So useful to all sorts of people, uh, it seems to me. With that, we're going to go ahead and wrap up uh, this discussion of AIMoves.org. Thank you, Daniel and Alexa, for being with us
2: on this episode. Thank you. Great. Thanks for having us. It was a pleasure to chat. And thank you, listeners, for
0: being with us for this episode of Skynet Today's Let's Talk AI podcast. You can find articles on similar topics to today's, and subscribe to our weekly newsletter of similar ones at SkynetToday.com. Subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to leave us a rating if you like the show. Reviews are very helpful to know if these sorts of things are actually useful. And be sure to tune in to our future episodes.